Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the curds from mile high the best part of the weekend hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N tuning in every day with the good folks down at Welcome, welcome, welcome into the BSM Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andre Simone and Andre, before we dive in, I just have to apologize to all the listeners out there for the way I sound. I'm struggling through through a little sickness right right now, uh, but I'm going to power through for you guys. Uh, a guy by the name of Ryan Koningsberg, I don't know if any of you guys have ever <laughs> heard of him. He gave me this sickness last week. It mold in my body this weekend, and it's hitting me strong now so i sent him away i said you got to get out of here for giving me this sickness i sent him down to the seat for the to the super bowl he's in atlanta for us this week covering everything about the super bowl from the game itself uh he's going to be at media night tonight to also try to get some broncos scoops for us down there so make sure you're tuning in to not just uh bsndenver.com uh, where we have a brand new site coming and it's launching in, in the next 24 hours. Stay tuned for that. But also, make sure you're tune to, tuning into this podcast. Where we'll, we will hear from Ryan this week. We'll get his insights. We'll talk about all of that this week. So it's me and Dre rolling with you guys this week. Oh, I'm yeah. so pumped about it. And Dre, before we get into the show, let me tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Uh, Strava Craft Coffee, we have this really awesome deal with them. If you use the code BSN2018, you get 20% off your order with them. This is CBD-infused coffee, and it not only tastes incredible, but it can relieve everyday aches and pains, anxiety, migraines, and so much more. So make sure you check them out. That's Strava Craft Coffee. Use the code BSN2018. All right. Dre, so pumped to be with you. Uh, Got to give another apology for not being able to do a podcast right. from New Orleans last week. Um, we had some technical difficulties when we moved the board. This is a, a relatively new board that we're working with, and we had some technical difficulties with some mics and some cords, so we couldn't bring you kind of a Senior Bowl wrap-up, but that's okay because... We got to see the Senior Bowl game this weekend, and now we get to bring you a comprehensive look at, at wrapping up this Senior Bowl. So, Dre, 
let me just start with what were your impressions from the game? Yeah, it was an interesting game. I think the the theme I came away with that'll be interesting to Broncos fans at least from both our final practice that we witnessed on Thursday and the game itself was how Drew Locke looked at his best under pressure. And that is noteworthy because that was kind of aside from the fact that he didn't really work off his secondary reads that was his big knock coming into this season, not even Senior Bowl week, but the entire 2018 season. And we've talked about how he's improved so much during the year. And I thought it was really noteworthy that that trend really continued in a setting where, you know, you might not have all the plays down. You might not have that familiarity with his wide receivers. There's definitely a few throws on Thursday that he missed. I think fair to say that between his wide receivers, maybe not hauling in a less than perfect throw. There was a couple of throws he'd like to have back from the game as well. But that, you know, that'll happen in unfamiliar settings. You're not going to be perfect. This isn't a pro day setting after all, where everything's scripted and you've practiced it out with everyone. No, these are live reps with other all-stars who you've just met in an offense. You've just learned and the fact that he looked competent and was able to kind of do some things when under pressure, when having to improvise and throw on the run and that kind of thing was definitely impressive. That was my main takeaway from the the final practice that we didn't get a chance to recap with a, a Friday show um, and from the, the game itself on Saturday. So that was an interesting trend. I definitely would say that Drew Locke only helped his stock. And boy, I wish the media could have seen that Wednesday practice to just get a feel for it uh, because that would have been nice. And, you know, even though he's staying with the quarterback talk, even though he won the MVP of the game, Daniel Jones, I think you, you really have to say his stock fell off in this week. Um, the consistency being consistently accurate was you know a struggle for him arm power was not good the deep ball was not good lacking touch on the deep ball or you know more than touch i'm sorry proper ball placement consistent ball placement on his deep ball and zip the fact that he he struggled with his accuracy when throwing away from his arm side so the left side is definitely concerning um, he did flash some really nice accuracy in the intermediate game, but just didn't do enough in this kind of setting to show that polish that we've seen during the season that's kind of vaulted him into that first-round conversation. I think his stock is definitely on the downside after the week he had in Mobile and taking into account the entire week, not just the game where... Yeah, he strung together a nice drive, was able to get that North team back in the game. In fact, hey, Zach, unlike last year, the team with all the good quarterbacks actually did win. So, uh, you know, we were talking about how maybe that should have been a red flag with Vance Joseph not getting clearly the better team to pull through in the game. John Gruden and his staff were able to pull through with that. So as far as the quarterbacks go, those would be my two main takeaways. I know there's been a lot of hype about Stidham. Um, Stidham, I think, definitely helped his stock. Uh, 
I know I was impressed after the first day. After that, it was kind of like, okay, I mean, this is more the same. Nothing, nothing too special, but it seems like he's kind of helped remind evaluators of, look, despite a down 2018 season and not the greatest showing, uh, good old Stidham, he still has plenty of talent, still has some intriguing NFL tools. And, I mean, based off of just the Senior Bowl week, you could probably make the argument that Stidham would deserve to go higher than um, Daniel Jones. And that is certainly something noteworthy to come out of. Boy, he was a little annoying in interviews for us, only talking about his leadership qualities and then not going any further in that. Uh, Credit to you. You asked Stidham, uh, the Auburn quarterback, for those who aren't familiar uh, you know, what is it about his leadership that makes him so special and stand out? And he uh, he joked with you that he couldn't give away all his secrets and then kind of gave the same answer. So, you know, instead of talking about accuracy or uh, ability to read the field or ability under pressure to throw it under the run, uh, arm power, which he, I again, I tried to ask him about his arm power. Uh, you know, do you have kind of a confidence that you have the best arm here. He was like, well, no, I don't have a strong arm like Tyree Jackson does, but sure, I have a strong enough arm. So <laughs> he was a little, a, a bit of a frustrating interview, and we'll see how that impacts him. Maybe he's just playing coy, and he'll be much more open when talking to NFL teams. But I think overall he had a pretty good week as well. And there you go. That wraps it up for all the, all the talk. Dre, incredible breaking it down. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I promise you guys out there, we did not say that we were going to talk about Drew Locke to start off the show. That wasn't necessarily an intention of ours. But, of course, we have to talk about Drew Locke first. And, Dre, you made some great points. Of course, during the week, we really showcased how well – Drew Locke was at throwing the deep ball. Um, of course, with through interviews, talking to him, talking to some of his teammates, um, talking to coaches, they all knew how much he likes to go deep. But then also we saw it on the field, just how, how good he is at throwing it deep, his accuracy throwing deep. One of the things I liked at the end of the week and in the game was his ability in those intermittent passes because that was a knock yes. on him, was accuracy uh, on kind of the easy passes and the ones 10 to 15 yards down the field. And he was sharp in that game. So that's what I like to see on top of, of course, working under pressure. So his stock only went very high this past week. A lot of people entering the week thought he was you know, maybe a late first round, second round pick. Uh, you know, uh, us three or us four before the week even started said that was rubbish. That wasn't going to happen after this week. Uh, that's for sure not going to happen. He's going to be, uh, you know, I don't see him falling any later than 15, barring something crazy happening at the combine. Uh, and I think if the Broncos won him, I don't know if you can hang back at 10 and wait for him. And we're going to have some more Drew Locke conversation later in this week just because of how much he connects with the Broncos. Right. But you made it. You made you made some great points about Daniel Jones. And, yeah, he was the MVP. He did score two touchdowns, one through the air, one through the ground, uh, and, and looked much better, um, to be honest, in the game than he did throughout the week. A guy that we said the exact same thing about last year, 
Josh Allen. He yep. turned out to be uh, way better than I thought he was going to be his rookie year. Now, does that mean that he's uh, that that Daniel Jones is going to have the exact same rookie season and the exact same uh, draft output that Josh Allen had? No, by no means. But it is interesting to draw those comparisons and. Just another guy you touched on, Jared Stidham. He he's he quietly impressed this week through practice, through the games, uh, on the field. As as you mentioned, of course, uh, on the field he quietly impressed. Uh, so certainly, certainly, there's quarterbacks out there, and we know the Broncos are certainly going to have their eyes on him. Okay, Dre, we talked about the quarterbacks. I want to get your five biggest winners, not just in the Broncos' eyes, but who were your who were a couple of your biggest winners coming out of the Senior Bowl? Yeah, and I mean a lot of them will be relevant to the Broncos because I think you got to start at wide receiver, where Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State was incredibly impressive. Uh, yes, on the field, off the field, this kid is just impressive in every way possible. He's mentioned to me several times when I interviewed him how he prides himself on being a great special team player. And look, with that speed where he said he plans on, he expects to run a 4-3-5 or better, have that speed on our special teams, that would be massive for this team. And on top of that, great wide receiver, really a, a big play weapon, completely undressed Chris Boyd who on paper was one of the, the Texas cornerback, was one of the better cornerbacks in Mobile. He just gave him, and in fairness to Boyd, every other DB that was covering him in drills, nightmares. Uh, he's, you know, third best wide receiver on Ohio State's team. He'd be a perfect third or fourth wide receiver, an ace special teamer with maybe that upside for more. We've seen guys like this in the past be former, you know, High-end recruits like, say, a Stefan Diggs, who Diggs never quite got going because of injuries at Maryland. McLaurin instead was kind of buried behind, uh, you know, such a talented receiving core at Ohio State. And just a system that maybe didn't utilize his big playability as much as they could have. And Diggs, of course, has turned into a star and kind of confirmed that that hype he had as a recruit, McLaurin could maybe do the same. And with a team that, yes, has a nice budding uh, young core of wide receivers, but still needs to add more depth, definitely needs to add speed to fully maximize uh, the scheme that Rich Scangarello will try to implement. Someone like McLaurin would be a perfect fit. And to a lesser extent, I think guys like Penny Hart certainly help themselves a lot. And Andy Isabella, who was a personal favorite of ours. I also think on the offensive line, another position that Broncos fans should be monitoring, uh, Dalton Risner did his thing. He was impressive. Look, he didn't dominate one-on-ones. It's not like he was always just killing fools and destroying souls. But against some of the best pass rushers that Mobile had to offer, that the Senior Bowl had to offer, he held his own time and time again and did it at right tackle, which was impressive. And we know about his versatility, but the fact that long-term he could project at right tackle kind of makes him a safer pick. Uh, he'd be a really nice target for the Broncos. Um, in our winners and losers, well, really just our winners from Thursday, 
in the piece that I wrote that you can find on the site, of course, when the site is back up here soon. Uh, Andre Dillard, I kind of compared to Marcus Davenport last year. You know, Davenport, like Dillard, tons of raw upside at a premium position. But yet Davenport early in the week felt like one of the losers to me. But then as he picked things up later in the week, practices looked a lot better. And then the game was really nice. I felt like Dillard had a similar progression for himself. And that was really important. The left tackle out of Washington State. One out of after Drew Locke, you could argue maybe the guy and Montez Sweat, I suppose, maybe the guy with the most uh, raw upside and first round potential of anyone in Mobile. Uh, he's a really intriguing pass protector who's still very raw as a run blocker. He talked to us about how you know run blocking is something they didn't really do at Washington State. Because even when they're running the ball, he's kind of coming out of pass sets. And he's a guy that's not really used to playing with his hand in the ground. So it was a steep learning curve for him. And the fact that he did progress so nicely was intriguing. Though I must say he did seem a little overwhelmed early in the week by all the uh, media questions as well. So that's something he'll have to adjust to in a football crazy town like Denver. Um, So... Those three positions, wide receiver, offensive line, and quarterback, certainly deserve being featured. I know we'll have another piece going up from Brandon with his favorite fits uh, from the Senior Bowl on the Broncos, and he'll mention some of those guys and add some other guys that I haven't mentioned. On the defensive side, one big winner to me, aside from you know Montez Sweat, who came in with lots of expectations and lived up to them, but I don't think the Broncos would consider him giving him. He's a you know first-round edge rusher. Was Lonnie Johnson Jr., the lanky cornerback out of Kentucky, really a strong tackler coming downhill. Um, you know, I've mentioned how I don't think you need an elite man corner in Vic Fangio's scheme, but someone who's a good tackler, someone who's feisty, can be physical, and can play that deep sideline zone coverage like you would in a cover three defense would be ideal. And Lonnie Johnson checks off all those boxes. So keep your eye on Lonnie Johnson, the, uh, the cornerback out of Kentucky. And there's, you know, there's other small school studs I could go on about, but I don't, I don't want to overdo it, Zach, especially since I get a feeling we'll be talking about the senior bowl, a decent amount, uh, for the rest of the week as well. Actually, Final mention, Chuma Idoga plays tackle out of USC, <laughs> played right tackle for um, uh, most of the week here. He doesn't have ideal size. I guess he played some left tackle too. Doesn't have ideal size to be a tackle. His his tape was very up and down. I wasn't necessarily the highest on him coming into the week. He impressed, and he impressed in the game. He has natural bend, natural feet. You know, with all the potential losses the Broncos could have on the offensive line, he's definitely a, a name to keep an eye on. Man, I love the words you used to describe those prospects. That is, that is true scouting form right there, Andre. I need to put some, <laughs> some film of my own on tape so I can get those things said about me as well. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you, you nailed it on the head with so many of those guys. Um, and man, if they could add a guy like Terry McLaurin 
on this wide receiving core, a guy that brings something that no one else on the team does right now. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders brings it, but uh, coming off his Achilles surgery, I mean, the speed to be a good size, and if he can run, you know, a four-three-five. I don't really care about the numbers specifically because he showed that he has that speed that translates on the field. If they can grab him, uh, you know, it, and not with a top pick, if they can add him, that would be a huge get. But maybe, you know, John Gruden saw that for himself. Kyle Shanahan saw that for themselves this week, and they're not going to let those gems slip past. One other guy I want to throw out there is Terrell Hanks. He was there you go. a monster, a monster this week on the defensive side of the ball. Now, he, he's listed as an outside linebacker, and we talked about him a little bit last week. He's listed as an outside linebacker on the Senior Bowl website, on New Mexico State's website where he went. Dre, he's listed as a defensive back, and during the Senior Bowl practices, I saw him playing a decent amount of yeah. inside linebacker. So th- th- that, to me, says that you don't really have to worry about what he's listed at uh, and, and if he would fit you know, a Vic Fangio 3-4 defense that the Broncos are going to run. Because last week, he, he showed me that he can be a run stuffer. He can hit the sidelines. Mm-hmm. He can do a bit of covering. This is a guy where, again, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to go. But if you add him, and I know the Broncos drafted two uh, inside linebackers last year, but if you get this guy, that can really, really help and and maybe even be that piece uh, where a lot of people want the Broncos to go inside linebacker at 10. Maybe this guy's a piece where, yes, he's not as good as those linebackers that are going to go number 10 overall, but he's a piece where linebacking expert Vic Fangio can take him and mold him to be a really good player. So I'd love the guys you mentioned just throwing out a few more. And Dre, one thing I want to do right now is take all of these guys, the guys you mentioned, some guys you haven't mentioned. Let's do a little bit of a mock draft to see where these guys, uh, what what the Broncos draft could look like. Uh, not necessarily going through every pick, but what the Broncos could come out with just based on guys that were at the Senior Bowl. So let's start with the fun one. First overall pick, Broncos sitting there at number 10. Based off the guys we saw at the Senior Bowl, who are you going with? Yeah, I think you only really have like three contenders, and it's, <laughs> yep. it's Drew Locke, Dillard, or Montez Sweat, uh, and they definitely don't need Montez Sweat, so it'd be between Dillard and Locke. I think Locke is a lock, uh, pun intended. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he's the only logical guy from Mobile that could be a candidate to go 10th overall. Yeah, I completely agree with you. This is an easy one. I like how you threw a few other names out there, but no, there's one guy and one guy only. It would be Drew Locke. And like we said, I mean, he may be there at 10. He may not even be there at 10. But in this game, that's who the Broncos are going with. Uh, it's, it's certainly at 10. You know, there's other guys out there, Dwayne Haskins, who, who obviously weren't in Mobile last week with us. Right. Uh, but, but those are guys that can be chosen before Locke so that he's available for them to fall Drew Locke was so impressive in so many ways to us and people I've talked to uh, around the league. He, he, he really hit it out of the park. All right, going second round now, Dre. Quarterback is taken care of with Drew Locke. Who, who are the Broncos going with with that second round pick? Yeah, here um, a guy just really sticks out to me, and it's Dalton Risner, the Colorado kid who we ran a nice <clears> feature <throat> on and was easily the best guy to talk to 
and you know got in a fight in practice. He's trained with our own Matt McChesney. Uh, we even found out he's listened to a few uh, BSN podcasts before. So, boy, I mean, could this guy be any more perfect for us? We're probably biased yeah, at this friend point. Friend of the pod. Right, friend of the pod. Uh, how can you beat that? I tell you, the only other real contender with Risner would be a Debo Samuel, who I didn't mention, but he was a huge winner. Uh, came in with big expectations and lived up to them and more. Uh, Debo might not even be around at this point. Heck, Dalton might not even be around at this point. I think it'd be between those two, and I'd go with the versatile offensive lineman to put in Mike Munchak's hands and really let him develop and become a killer at whatever position you plug him into. Yeah, if Dalton Risner's there for you in the second round, you are taking him, and boy, how good do you feel about the first two rounds of your draft, getting Drew Locke and Dalton Risner. And I, I'm not just saying, uh, you know, stuck in this little hole we are of just drafting senior bowl players. I'm talking about anyone in the draft. If you can come out yeah. with these two guys in the first two rounds, you are sitting pretty. You love it. If you're John Elway, you love it. If you're a fan, you absolutely love it. And, Dre, this is, here's my question for you. What, what position is Dalton going to be playing uh, his, his rookie year? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of it is he could plug in at center if you let Paradis go. He could plug in at right tackle if you let Vildir go. And, you know, depending on what you do at guard, I'm pretty certain that he's smart enough and could pick that up quickly enough to play one of your guard spots, depending on what you want to do with McGovern and Paradis and, you know, options with Leary and what have you. So I really think that, I mean, and this is what Jim Nagy told us in the presser before the week even started. Risner could start at four positions on the offensive line. Left tackle wouldn't be ideal, but aside from left tackle, he could really plug and play at either guard spot center or right tackle and be just fine. So that's a huge selling point for Risner, for sure. Now, is he, uh, is, is Dalton a better prospect than Garrett Bowles was two years ago? Um, Boy, you know, here's the thing about Risner versus Bowles is if you could combine Risner's strengths with Bowles' strengths, you would have the perfect offensive tackle. You'd have an offensive <laughs> tackle who would go in, like, the top three positions, you know. Wow. Um, he'd just be that perfect franchise guy because you'd have that IQ and experience and versatility that Risner has combined with Bulls' supreme athleticism and even better length. Um, So I think that, boy, you're really putting me in a tough spot because to say he's better is tough. I'll say this. Bulls, in a typical year, because of his athleticism, because of the fact that he has those raw tools that allow him to project as a left tackle, Bulls most years would go ahead of Risner regardless of how I may feel about the prospects and any revisionist history I try to implement right here. Uh, Risner is the classic kind of guy. You know, we compared him to Cody Whitehair, who you were saying, oh, I think I believe I remember scouting him and Whitehair always from Kansas State was a guy who was seen as a late first rounder, early second rounder, 
The draft process kind of forced him to drop a little, but he's been one of the best centers in the league after making that switch to the interior for the, the Chicago Bears. And I think Risner is that similar guy where he might not go as high because you're not you, you can't dream on him as much as you're able to dream on other guys, but he's a much safer pick. Um, it's a classic, you know, do you want the high ceiling or do you want the high floor? Bulls is your high ceiling. Risner is your high floor. Man, if you're able to shore up one of those spots on the offensive line uh, in this draft in the second round, that would be absolutely huge. All right, Dre, let me get your pick for round three, and let's just close out day two of this draft. Oh, boy, this is where things get interesting. Really, really (laughs) interesting. Boy, it's early third, and just, just a week ago I would have been crazy to take this guy in the early third, but I think you kind of have to pull the trigger now or you're going to be left out and I have a plan for my fourth round pick. So I'm going to go with our guy, Terry McLaurin, um, you know, to get a special teamer and uh, and a third wide receiver, big play weapon, all the things that he brings to the table. Also, I, I don't think we've I, – I mentioned it in my piece on the winners and losers from Thursday's practice. I don't think we've taken this point home enough. But just like Risner, just like Locke, I believe, Terry McLaurin's another team captain. So that would follow in line with that strategy that allowed the Broncos' 2018 draft to be so successful. So even though I think Lonnie Johnson might be just as intriguing – and would probably have to be taken in that third round range. I'm going with McLaurin here to fill out the the wide receiver room. And not coincidentally, Zach, our first three picks, all offensive players. Mm, yes, I, that would that would make sense. You hire the defensive coach, you let him work with all the talent that you have there, and then you give Rich Gangarello all the tools he needs to reboot this offense. And I mean, Terry McLaurin. A guy that had 75 catches in his entire college career. So right. this really is a high upside uh, pick from the Broncos. Now, I got to say, Dre, I got to bring it up. Broncos fans out there are probably going, uh-oh. The Broncos did this two years ago with Carlos Henderson right. in the third round. High upside player. And clearly, that didn't turn out. Why why a high upside wide receiver? When, and especially you say, when you talk about him, you say, you know, this is an early pick in the third, but I'm still going to go with him anyways. I mean, I'm sure a lot of Broncos fans are a bit, bit nervous when you say all that. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I just think, um, you know, when you pair high upside with high character and he, mm. you know, maybe short of Risner, he was as good an interview as anyone in fact, I got some insights on him about how the Broncos did interview him, put him on the board, had him run a few plays for him, and before he could even finish, Zach, this is this is a BXN exclusive right here, guys. You're not going to get this anywhere else. Here we anywhere go. Here else. we go. So we're, we're, we're breaking news a little. But uh, before McLaurin could even finish drawing up his plays and explaining, the Broncos scout that was interviewing him said, stop right there. I've heard enough. That's how impressive he was. And having interviewed him three different times this week, I can confirm the kid is absolutely impressive. 
this is a you know a, a top hundred recruit who easily could have transferred somewhere else, but wanted to stay with the Buckeyes. Was one of the team leaders when JT Barrett, their quarterback, moved on and graduated, and they had an inexperienced quarterback in Dwayne Haskins there. He had to kind of take some of the leadership reins on offense, and they were able to navigate a very, very difficult season with all that was going on off the field with Urban Meyer and the new the new quarterback and all that kind of stuff. Leaders like Terry McLaurin were essential in the Buckeyes, still having a great season, still being you know a playoff contender, and still winning the Rose Bowl. And, you know, he made the most out of his production. So I think that character-wise, you're just talking about a completely different player from what you had in guys like Carlos Henderson. Dre, all it took was 90 seconds for you to completely sell me and alleviate all of my concerns about that. Because you're right, it does come down to that. Carlos Henderson, the talent is still there. That's why he got picked up by the Redskins at the end of the season yep. and remains with their organization during this offseason. There was never a question about talent. There's, there's not much of a question about McLaurin's talent either. He has the physical tools, but it's in the head, and it, it, it's clear that there is a major difference between those two players. And, I mean, you get a captain, you get a leader, you get someone who you throw him up on the board, he knows exactly what that what, what to do, and I love that insight, Dre. That, that's huge. That's different, and, and that's something that should really ease any concerns you have. And, heck, Maybe maybe if you think the third round's a bit too early, maybe what you do is you use that early pick in the third to get someone else, and then you package your fourth and fifth round pick to move back up into the third in order to grab him. Uh, and because what 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 what's it mean to have a, a fifth round pick? Sometimes you can hit on it, but boy, if you can move up and get a guy like that at the end of the third, middle of the third, that would just be huge. So I absolutely love those picks and Drake. You said you already had it teed up. What's going on in the fourth round? Well, I think I'm going to go with Terrell Hanks. Uh, you know, put that kind of upside that Mr. Mr. Hanks has into Vic Fangio's hands, and you're going to be perfect. And, you know, I've talked about this in the film rooms on Vic Fangio's scheme and how I'm not so sure guys like Todd Davis or Josie Jewell fit perfectly. He's going to run a lot of zone coverages and ask that his linebackers cover a lot of ground. Well, Hanks can do that. He's got the athleticism to cover a lot of ground, and he's got that that downhill burst instincts and, you know, nastiness to come downhill, close on a tackle, and make a big play if a catch is made underneath him when he's dropping deeper in those zones. I just think he's such a perfect fit. And, you know, the talent is all, all there. He was just supremely impressive all week. You know, I could I could double up on O-line. I could maybe take a shot at a quarterback like Minshew or what have you, something that our listeners have suggested. Uh, you know, I could go with one of the undersized wide receivers to plug in in the slot. Uh, there's a lot of options, whether it's tight end or offensive line or even cornerbacks, someone like Iman Marshall from USC. But really, I think you take Terrell Hanks and you plug, you kind of, with this, I feel like these first four picks have allowed us to plug some of the biggest needs on the team going forward. 
Exactly, and I love this. You go back-to-back linebacker uh, two years in a row in the fourth round. Of course, you get Josie Jewell last year. I would be all for this pick. I mean, people are suggesting and people are, are open to the idea, which I'm a little surprised about, about getting an inside linebacker at number 10 overall. Yes, you can get your Roquan Smith and you can be an absolute beast on the inside, but just look at... And what Vic Fangio has dealt with, not just with the Bears and Roquan Smith, look what he's done with his linebacking course, going all the way back to when he entered the league with New Orleans as a linebacker's coach, and he had Dome Patrol, which was a squad that dominated from the inside out. Yep. These linebackers were so good. I mean, for all pros, 18 pro bowlers, 18 pro bowl appearances between these four guys in, in like a five-year span when Vic Fangio was there. So, yes, you can get him a stud in the first. But what I like is getting him his type of player uh, at a value round. I'm not talking seventh rounder and unrealistic expectations. A fourth round guy for a position that is not highly valued. So maybe he's truly a, a second round player, but because in, linebacker isn't valued, he can he, you can scoop him up in the fourth. I absolutely love that. And then you are addressing defense at some point in the draft uh and then and then you can get rolling he can be a player this year he can be a developmental guy uh and just a little story that i shared on the pod about uh last week about him was i kid you not so at the senior bowl uh you know that they all wear the same jerseys right but they all wear the helmets of the school that they went to and he's wearing his helmet and he's on that defense just i mean smothering guys and coverage in the run game and it, it's a crimson helmet yeah. with, a, with a number on it. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? You know, I'm an I'm a Alabama fan. I'm like, who is right. this guy out here? I don't recognize him at all. And literally, after like the third huge play in a six-play span that he made, I, I got to look this guy up. I look him up. He's from New Mexico State. Their helmets just look so similar right. to, to Alabama, to the Crimson Tides helmets that I was shocked because I truly thought the way he was playing, he was an Alabama-type player uh, be, because he was so good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that should say it all for uh, for Terrell Hanks right there. He he just he impressed us all on the team. So um, that was big for him. So, Dre, do you have any – do you want to go fifth, sixth, and seventh, or do you, do you just want to give me a few prospects to who the Broncos could add in those later rounds? Yeah, let's go – let's do uh, option B because I, I always worry that, you know, this is where team mocks can get a little tricky. It almost feels like you're cheating and you're giving, like, fourth-round guys to them in the sixth or seventh, and it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. If they could get that value, no, no doubt it'd be great, but will you be able to? Um, Iman Marshall, who we mentioned in our Ryan Koningsberg, uh, wrote up how he was being interviewed by, by the Broncos on the field, uh, cornerback out of USC had an up and down career, but another former high recruit, a five-star kind of guy who never quite lived up to that hype and wasn't the most impressive, but look, he addresses a need. And as far as the cornerback still left that realistically would still be around in the 5th, 6th, and 7th. I think he's the best of the bunch. I think you could also um, address the interior defensive line with someone like Kalen Saunders out of Western Illinois, Um, the kid famously known for doing the backflip, 
cartwheel. I'm not sure. I'm no gymnast, gymnastics expert. Uh, he really looked good, uh, not just during the week, but during the game as well. If he's still around, having an interior uh, penetrator with his skills would be noteworthy. I'm not sure that John Kaminsky out of Charleston would still be around at that point, but if he were, you'd want to jump on him, put in the you know Broncos defensive line coach's hands. You could do big things with a kid with those kind of raw tools. Uh, definitely the most sculpted body out of anyone down in Mobile. He'd be intriguing for sure. And... Boy, it's just so hard to know after the combine and some decent showings in Mobile who of these guys would still be around by these rounds. If he were still around, Dalen Mack, the defensive tackle out of Texas A&M, another former high-end recruit who never quite lived up to that hype in high school he or in college. He had a great East-West Shrine showing came to the Senior Bowl, did a lot of those same things. He'd be an athletic nose tackle who would be really nice uh, in that Fanjo defense and could take over for Dama Tapeco. So those would be the main guys I'd be looking at, aside from, you know, Penny Hart, someone like that, who we've already mentioned as one of our winners this week. Titus Howard out of Alabama State. I know he really impressed you and Ryan and Ryan loved the fact that he's a former quarterback. I just think with his length, his IQ, and the fact that he looked pretty good during the week, aside from you know one play that went viral against Montez Sweat, I'm getting a feeling Titus Howard won't be around by day three even, the Alabama State offensive tackle. But again, if he were, he'd be intriguing as well. Yeah, tons of upside there, and I love those names you're throwing out. Drake. Someone asked me over the weekend, uh, they said, you know, how optimistic should Broncos fans be? And after listening to this mock draft that we just did, they should be incredibly optimistic because look what can happen. Now, we'll we'll reevaluate after free agency happens, after the draft happens, but look how much the team can change. And we're just talking about guys that were at the Senior Bowl. I mean, uh, you're, you're, you're coming away pretty darn happy if, if they're able to pull this draft away. And again, it's just it's just a small sample of the guys that are going to be in this draft. So I say there's a chance that Broncos fans could legitimately be extremely optimistic going into this season. Now, if it is with Drew Locke under center, uh, the optimism is going to be for the future. It's not necessarily going to be for this season. But if you're adding a, a starting offensive lineman, if you're adding a starting third wide receiver, if you're adding uh, a role-playing linebacker, there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic. So I, I absolutely love it, and I love uh, you know all of your insight on this and how in depth we got. Because because I can I can almost guarantee you the Broncos are going to draft uh, at least one of these guys that we saw here at the Senior Bowl, and you you'll know that we will have the best insight on these guys well Dre there was another game played this weekend that we need to talk about and most importantly we need to hear from the listeners and we'll do that right after the break 
Dr. Rick and his team at Belmar Chiropractic focus on getting to the root cause of your problem instead of chasing symptoms. The results have been like above and beyond anything I could have ever expected. My pain is completely gone, full of energy, even throughout my entire pregnancy. He was able to adjust me and it sounds crazy to say, but like no back pain throughout my whole pregnancy. That was just really amazing. It's better than anything I could have expected for sure. That was Caitlin. Like her, many people who had looked everywhere and tried everything finally found relief and healing at Belmar Chiropractic. It makes you feel really comfortable because he always tells you what he's doing before he actually does it. So I always felt really, really comfortable and they're all so warm and welcoming as well, which is always great. Dr. Rick can help decrease anxiety and depression, reduce stress, improve mental focus and clarity, provide better quality of sleep, boost your immune system, and so much more. He's definitely the most knowledgeable chiropractor I've ever been to, and I've actually have recommended him to many, many of my friends and coworkers. Give Belmar Chiropractic a call today at 303-233-1236. All right, welcome back into the BSM Broncos podcast. Zach Stevens and Andre Simone rolling with you today as Ryan Koningsberg gets us the scoop down from Atlanta where the Super Bowl is taking place this week. Andre, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. The game that everyone's so excited about is this Sunday. The game that not a lot of people are excited about happened yesterday <laughs> on Sunday in Florida where the AFC battled the NFC in the Pro Bowl. I threw out a poll yesterday asking who's going to be watching this game, Who who's interested in this game, will you be watching it? Andre, 80% of people, of, of Broncos fans, diehard Broncos fans, you guys, said they're not going to be watching it. And that's why we're just going to touch on this right here. Uh, the AFC did win. So the Broncos go out on a winning note for the 2019 or 2018 season. If you want to look at it that way, just destroyed the NFC 26 to seven. One notable thing from that in terms of the Broncos eyes, Chris Harris Jr. Came back from a broken foot played in the pro bowl, really overcoming all the odds. And then the undrafted kid got an interception off Mitchell Trubisky in that game. But what you what you think of the Pro Bowl? Did you tune into it? Not really. I caught bits and pieces, which should tell you, since I'm film-obsessed and football-obsessed, the fact that I didn't watch the Pro Bowl, I think should tell you a lot about how people feel about the Pro Bowl. Now, I did see some highlights. I really thought it was awesome that Alvin Kamara was being lined up as a defensive end and linebacker <laughs> at times and got a quarterback did that hurry. As well, right? Yeah, he did pretty well. I think he got one of only two quarterback hurries of the entire game. <laughs> Insane. Maybe we'll see uh, Royce Freeman or Phil Lindsay lined up like that from the Broncos in season. Maybe this will give him an idea. And also, uh, I saw Mike Evans got an interception. So that was kind of a... <laughs> A cool wrinkle, offensive players lined up as defenders. That's kind of neat. Yeah, when, 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 when a game played with, with the NFL symbol, which the NFL has no problem making things entertaining, when they have to go to these lengths to make the game entertaining and to have people try to watch it, it just shows you how you know garbage uh, <laughs> of, of a game it really is. Um, but what I learned yesterday is Mitchell Trubisky – Probably shouldn't be a pro bowler because that throw, yes, Chris, it's great he got the interception. Come on. That was uh, that was a pretty poor read, we'll say that. 
Yeah, really ugly. Really, All really right, ugly. Let's jump into the comments from you guys. Uh, of course, a little backlog, so we're going to roll through these, make sure we hit on every single one, because we really appreciate you guys reaching out to us, and we never want to leave you high and dry. So first one, coming in from Behind Enemy Lines, he said, I heard talk Monday of someone from Mizzou who knows Locke predicting he'll have a long NFL career as a backup. I was starting to lose some of my optimism, but now I'm wondering if the void left by we had a great week of practice will be filled with the quarterback had a great press conference. So I guess that's something to look forward to. I still believe defense at least can win championships, and I'd rather win that way than just trying to outscore an opponent in a shootout. So Vangio has me pumped. But do we have no real prospects of an offense everyone's talking about without either trading up for Haskins, which Elway doesn't sound interested in, or somehow getting a top 10 pick next year, or number one overall in 2021. By the way, as a Broncos fan in Boston, I had been in such despair. I thought the Broncos should try to trade Von Miller, Emmanuel Sanders, Chris Harris Jr., and Derek Wolf to like Tampa Bay in exchange for four future first-round picks, a la the Boston Celtics in 2014. But as soon as Fangio was hired, I was fine with who we have. And so a lot of things going here, but Dre, what yeah. do you think? Uh, it should should happen with with the quarterback position, and is there someone out there that can really change the optimism for Broncos fans if they're not able to get the number one quarterback in this draft, who does seem to be Dwayne Haskins right now? I mean, I, it was interesting. He said that Elway doesn't seem interested in moving up for Haskins. I, you know, we've been traveling a lot, so it's entirely possible I've missed that report, but. I, I don't think it's time to exclude that being a possibility. I think that would be the best move they could make. I would also love to take Kyler Murray, who I know there's more and more buzz, and we kind of reported this, that the Raiders might be interested in in the first round. Um, and, yeah, I, it's interesting he mentions he's talked to people from Mizzou. I've talked to people from Mizzou. Oddly enough, even though he's the second all-time um you know, SEC leader in passing yards, Drew Locke hasn't gotten tons of love from Mizzou aside from, you know, him uh, him having a horse body part. Let's just say that. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, I mean, I think you have to settle on, settle on one of those three guys. And uh, but you know, just because guys at Mizzou aren't the highest on them doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, uh, college teams want to win, and when you don't do that, and you know that your quarterback is kind of hyped, and you you think he should be doing more, it's natural to feel down on them. That doesn't mean he doesn't have NFL talent or doesn't have the upside to become a really strong NFL quarterback. Yeah, and of course, if, if you get the number one overall pick or you get the number one quarterback, you're probably feeling darn good. But let me, let me remind you, just look at last year's draft as an example. If you miss out on the number one quarterback, it doesn't mean all hopes are lost and you're not going to get a great player. Right. I mean, it, of course, Baker goes number one overall. He looks great. You have Sam Darnold come in. There is so much optimism in New York for how yeah. he looks. Josh Allen same deal uh and and all it takes is the broncos don't have to go to tip from 10 to 1 
uh, uh, to, to get one of those guys, you know, uh, Josh Allen taking number seven. So the, there's guys typically, if you miss out on the first quarterback, there's other guys just about being to, able to evaluate the right one. You have Jared Goff go number one overall. Carson Wentz goes number two. Now, I know the Broncos are, are not close to that number two spot, but, hey, if they get the second-best quarterback, look what Carson Wentz is. So that's what I would say. I, w- I, w- I would slow down on freaking out about not being able to get the best quarterback in the draft. All right, Trey, next one coming in from New Mexico Bronco fan. He says, hey, guys, my question is about one of the draft prospects outside linebacker, Terrell Hanks out of New Mexico State. It would be cool being from New Mexico to see a local guy on our Broncos. I've heard that Vic Fangio might be interested in drafting some linebackers. What round do you guys see him going in right now as it stands? Also, I know he he is an outside linebacker, so how difficult is it to switch him to inside linebacker? Is, is that something they would do? Or would drafting him give us the ability to move on from Shane Ray and or Shaq Barrett? loving all this offseason action and new mexico broncos fan we're loving you chiming in with us today and i think we've you know i think you've liked what you've heard in the first segment about terrell Terrell hanks but let me toss it over to dre yeah definitely you know go back to our mock and what zach had to say about him i think that fourth you know you want to jump on a guy with that type of talent early in day three as far as the position change this is something that I talked to Terrell about, and he brought up he brought it up to me uh, just naturally, without me having to press him too much about it. About how he played outside in a four three in college, but he was really enjoying getting reps as a middle linebacker down in Mobile. And look, he impressed all of us. I think he impressed most people who were paying attention. So. If he can perform like that against the best competition he's ever really faced in his career and limited coaching, uh, I think there's no doubt that he'll fit perfectly as an interior linebacker in a 3-4 scheme like the Broncos run. So I really think, yeah, you just plug and play him at inside linebacker. He'd be ideal. And as far as outside linebacker goes, if both Ray and Barrett leave, you might want to add a depth piece later on. But you already have Jeff Holland, who I've always been impressed with and was really high on coming out of Auburn as, you know, one of the best sack, uh, what I believe the sack leader in the SEC. So you already have some options at outside linebacker. Hank's strictly an option at inside linebacker. Next one coming in from Gunner and OGer. He starts off with saying, who is this Spano guy? Just kidding. The Bama <laughs> boys are back. I'd like to get everyone's take on this. Sorry, Gunnar, I'm not going to be able to get everyone's take. He says, how does the talent at the Senior Bowl stack up compared to last year's? Also, with the new coaching staff, what prospects are you keeping an eye on that wouldn't have fit in the Vance Joseph Broncos? Love all the great content as usual, my guys. Keep it up and go Broncos. This is a good one. This is a good one. I know that... um... I know that Brandon, since he wanted everyone's opinion, was saying to us he felt like last year had more headliners, obviously at the quarterback position and what have you, even Marcus Davenport, someone like that, but that this year had more talent overall. And um, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And boy, on paper, I was so excited for this senior bowl. Then we had a few top prospects drop out, and that was a bit disappointing. But still, uh, overall, I think you have more talent than you had a year ago. 
And it was fun for us finding out about some of these small school guys. You know, Andy Isabella led the the nation in receiving yards and re, not receptions, but, uh, you know, a whole lot of categories as a receiver. He was already well-known to me, but guys like John Kaminsky coming out of Division Two, guys like Penny Hart, even Alex Wesley out of UNC, who we wrote a whole feature on. These kind of guys, I feel like we had more, you know, Terrell Hanks. We had a lot more small school guys emerge. So this was just a really nice class, um, a really nice, solid group. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to his other question about, um, you know, who, who were they keeping an eye on that wouldn't have fit with the Vance Joseph Broncos? And I don't actually really think much changes in yeah. terms of who they're, who they're keeping an eye on or not keeping an eye on under Vance Joseph compared to Vic Fangio. Let me remind you, this was never really the Vance Joseph Broncos. This right. was, and always is the John Elway Broncos. And yes, Vance did have more say um, last year, but his say was really with the coaching staff. He got to bring some of his guys on, Zach Azani, Curtis Modkins, a few other guys. And hey, I mean, some of those were good moves because the Broncos are keeping Zach Azani and Curtis Modkins. But in terms of personnel, you know, especially since they're sticking with the 3-4 defense, uh, the, the, the hope out of Dove Valley is that it's just a better defense. You know, it, it's not going to be crazy different. I guess one area that we've touched on that you keep an eye on is inside linebacker. That That's probably more of an emphasis under Vic Fangio as opposed to, a, you know, a Joe Woods, Vance Joseph defense. And maybe that bleeds over into Elway's draft board. And, and maybe Vic really says over and over again, I need inside linebacker. I need inside linebacker. And instead of going for it in the sixth round, John goes for it in the third round. Other than right. that, it's not going to be too different of uh, of a draft board for the Broncos. All right, next one coming in from Micah Pexa. He says, interesting to watch the press conference with Rich Scangarello and hear him continuously praise Kyle Shanahan as he's been doing since we first hired him. A pretty clear admission by Elway that he goofed up the coaching search two years ago. Funny that we had the master in the room, chose the wrong guy, and now are hopeful for one of his disciples. Fingers crossed. And, man, Micah, this is... Uh, it's a really, really good point. And j- just to program, you know, we will get into uh, the Ed Donatel, Tom McMahon, and Rich Scangarello press conference. We'll get into that later in the week and really dive in and, and see what we learned in, in those respects from the press conference that happened at the end of the week. But that <clears throat> that's a really interesting point. Uh, right after I got done covering that last week, I recapped it with Ryan because he was on the field watching practice. And we both just said, man, it seems pretty darn clear John Elway would love to have Kyle Shanahan as his coach right now. I mean, I know a lot of organizations would, but the Broncos had him in the building and let him leave, let him go to San Francisco and sign that deal. Yep, 100%. It does feel like hindsight being 2020. They would have done that. Though then again, you know, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco was able to handpick his GM while here he would have had Elway over his shoulders. Who knows if it really could have worked out. You know, it's sometimes a lot of it is just fitting into the right situation. And it might have been that while we Elway loves that scheme, it just wouldn't have been the right situation for him and Kyle to work together. So who knows? Yeah, and I'll just re- I'll, j- I'll just remind everyone one more time. Vance Joseph, the fire Vance Joseph, 
still has a better record than Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. So I can't forget that until Kyle Shanahan completely proves me wrong. All right, next one coming in from DJC15. He says, hey, guys, my question pertains to Kyler Murray. His height doesn't bother me too much, although at 5'8", he will look like an Oompa Loompa out there. My big concern with his is not being certain of his commitment to football. Given his stuff with the MLB and how quickly he switched to the draft, I'd be concerned drafting a guy to be our franchise quarterback who, after a season or two of getting hit by NFL linebackers and linemen, decides to dip out and go to the MLB. If he played any other position, the risk wouldn't bother me as much. But with how much we need to invest in a young, long-term fix at our quarterback issues, that does worry me a bit. Boy, good point coming in from David here. And, uh, boy, I mean, the height does concern me, uh, but but that's not the question that David has. I wouldn't be too concerned about him ditching football in a few years. I think if you get him in, even if he's getting hit often, if he's a player like, like he would be if you drafted him in the first round, if he's a player and he plays a few years, he's going to stick with football. And I don't really know what his baseball prospects would even be in a few years because then we're talking about a 25-year-old entering right. the minor league system. or And that I feel like the commitment is an issue, but it's an issue right now. If you get him in the building and you get him in your program for years, I wouldn't be worried about that at all. Dre, what do you think? Exactly. The commitment is a problem right now. Just because he holds all the leverage and he still hasn't excluded one sport over the other. Which again, if if he was my kid and I was advising him, this is exactly how you would play it. I think he's a he's being a shrewd business person and doing, you know, nothing different from what John Elway did in his day. Is just being a you know, shrewd and taking advantage of the opportunity that he has in place. We had a quick comment coming in. Excuse me, quick comment coming in from Kyle America. He says, Terrell Hanks is a beast. Go Aggies. <clears throat> Would love to hear the BSN rendition of New Mexico's fight song. If you think the Broncos should draft him, well, hey, Kyle, maybe reach out if the Broncos draft him and maybe we can get a little uh, quartet going on of their fight song. He says, I'm almost positive there is Whataburger in heaven. And Kyle, <laughs> I agree with you. We did stop at Whataburger on our way uh, from Alabama into New Orleans. We actually had it in Mississippi. And let me tell you what, what a burger. Well done. Well done. <laughs> I, you know, I know you guys are missing Ryan this week, so I have to pull one or two things out of his back pocket to use this week. All right, next one. Coming in from Rude U. He says, hey there, fellas. I'm from Eastern Washington State, not too far from Pullman, and I've got to say I would love to have Minshew in Denver, but the stash, bring the stash to the mile high. Forget about it. <laughs> Question. Question I have is, do you guys know or expect Scangarella to have a certain under-the-radar quarterback in this draft that he wants on his roster? Is it Minshew? LOL. Also wanted to comment about Ryan calling Mahomes a unicorn. Listen, the dude is a really is really good for sure, but I'm going to tell you something. I will never tell my daughter. Unicorns don't exist. Thanks for all the content, guys. BSN, as for better subscribe now. Rude you. Rude you, doing the heavy lifting for us. Thank you so much. And, guys, 
now is the time to subscribe uh, for every sport, but specifically for Broncos. Once you're in midseason, uh, you know, getting all of our content, knowing what's going to happen, the upcoming week's game it is important. But get sticking with us and, and following what's going to happen in the offseason, I mean, that, that's when the team develops and we find out how good they're going to be. Make sure you subscribe now. Uh, as we're speaking right now, the site is getting a huge upgrade. I'm so pumped for you guys to see the, the, the new BSN. So make sure you get on there, bsndenver.com. It's down for a few hours today, but we'll have it up by tomorrow for sure. Uh, and make sure you get that subscription when you type when you check out that new site. All right, Andre, more and more questions for us. Let's dive into those after this break. There's nothing more important than family, and for more than 100 years now, customers have turned to Farmers New World Life Insurance Company and agents like Bryce Babcock to help protect the financial security of their loved ones. What makes us different, first off, is we're, we're completely customer service oriented, meaning that our goal is every day to be available. The other piece, too, is that I'm young. I'm 31 years old, and so I'm hungry, and I'm very motivated every single day to continue to make this agency grow, and, and that's just something that, you know, I, I think that I bring them a lot of other agents do. My initial thought was it's expensive and I just don't have money to invest in my long-term future. Everything I have I need right now. But once I started looking at the options, it's an absolute no-brainer. You can find a life insurance plan that works for you and you should. It's not just about death either. There's whole life insurance policies that actually have cash value that build over time and so on. So Bryce will break all of that down for you for free. The call is a no-brainer. You have to do it. Brandon's 100% right. Plus, Bryce is even giving out a deal specifically for BSN listeners. I'm going to go ahead and send out a $10 Starbucks gift card right, right off the bat. And so you don't have to do business with us. You don't have to. There's no payment needed or anything like that. It's something that we're going to do for anyone that comes in from BSN. Gives us an opportunity to earn their business. Call 303-996-6509 today. That's 303-996-6509. Welcome back to the BSM Broncos podcast. Zach Stevens rolling with you with Andre Simone here today. And, Dre, I realized I was so excited about telling people about the new site that we didn't even answer Ruju's question. Yes. His question was, you know, are there any under-the-radar quarterbacks that Rich Scangarello would want on his, staff, uh, on his team? Well, what's... The first question to me is, boy, if Vance Joseph wasn't really getting a say in the personnel department, and we assume that's similarly what's going to occur with Vic Fangio, what's this new offensive co co uh, coordinator who's never had experience in that position prior to this season, how much of a say is he going to get if the, uh, if the coach isn't getting much of a say? So I'd, you know, I'd keep that in mind first and foremost. As far as who his guys might be under the radar, I think he likes mobile guys. And I think he likes guys with an arm because that's just kind of who's worked out for him before. And I would keep Stidham in mind. I would keep uh, Brett Rippon, who was the MVP of the East-West Shrine game. Those would be two guys I would keep in mind as well as maybe Jordan Tamu out of Ole Miss. So those three names right there uh, are guys that maybe maybe Scangarello's interested in, just maybe. 
Mm, I really I really like those names. And remember, this is a guy that found Nick Mullins. He pounded the table for the 49ers to draft uh, or, or to, to pick up Nick Mullins as an undrafted free agent. They brought him in. He worked wonders with him considering he was an undrafted free agent. So it doesn't necessarily need to be a big name, uh, whether it's a, uh, in terms of under-the-radar guys. You know, a big name would be Gardner Minshew. It could be that. But it could also be a seventh-round guy, a, a very late guy, undrafted guy. So don't forget about that. All right, next one in coming from Elway for Prez. He says, I'm curious to hear you guys evaluate the rookie performances of the guys you identified last year as mobile standouts. Obviously, Baker was a guy you loved and was a hit. But what about some of the other dudes? I can't remember all the names, although Bellage and Berrios come to mind. Let's hear you dish out some self-reflection grades. Also, we've heard for a year now, or a year, how great this D-line class is, both inside and outside. Given that, where would Bradley Chubb rank in this year's class? And related to that, where would Haskins Murray Locke rank in last year's quarterback class? Would we would we have been better off with hypothetically Rosen or Darnold and slash Farrell or Gary or Oliver or Chubb and Locke? Okay, a lot there. Let's first get to the first part about some guys from last year. Yeah. I mean, uh, Elway for Prez, he hit it right on the head. I loved Kalen Balazs. He went to the Miami Dolphins, didn't get much playing time uh, for for most of the season. But when Frank Gore got hurt, I think it was the next series when Kalen Balazs ripped off a 75-yard run in that huge body of his, 75-yard touchdown, and then he finished the season really strong. Uh, So I'd say that one was a hit, and he, he was my guy. Last year, I'm very curious to see how Miami, with this new regime, uses him. He could see a lot of playing time as they've admitted they're open to a rebuilding process. Trey, do you have any other guys in mind that that we liked last year? Yeah, Berrios is a good mention. He got injured but stashed on the practice squad for uh, for the Patriots. And two other guys we liked that ended up in Denver were Isaac Yadam and Deshaun Hamilton. And I think... um, in some ways, uh, Yadam disappointed a little our expectations, though he came along a bit towards the end of the season. And then I think that, uh, you know, obviously Hamilton, to some extent, I think impressed us and exceeded expectations, if you will. So that was that. that's interesting. And also we liked Will Hernandez, who I would say was, uh, you know, was not good in his first season with the Giants. So, in retrospect, that's how we look at it. Now, the thing is, you know, just because guys didn't necessarily live up to their potential as rookies, that's probably to be expected. It'll be the next two, three, four years that'll determine how how on or off we were in those evaluations. So, we were just like an NFL club. We, we had some hits and we also had some misses. We just get paid a lot less than those NFL clubs. Maybe they should just pay us those big bucks since we do just as good a job as they do. Right. At least you could get us at a bargain fee, right? Exactly. Okay, now the the next question he had was, would the Broncos have been better off grabbing a quarterback at five last year? So let's say Josh Allen or Josh Rosen, since both of those guys were available, Mm -hmm. and grabbing a defensive lineman this year at 10, or vice versa. Stick with Bradley Chubb last year and get a quarterback let's say you know a guy kind of like a drew lock at 10 this year i mean yes 
here's the thing like uh, <laughs> Baker I think I think Haskins would be right in that mix with Rosen um, I think I would have had him ranked ahead of Lamar Jackson ahead of Josh Allen and you know I wasn't the highest on Baker I think he would have been right there in that Rosen range behind Darnold for me uh, Kyler Murray probably gets ranked behind Baker, Darnold Rosen, but I would have taken him ahead of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And that's, you know, I might be higher than others. So that's kind of how these guys stack. And I think Drew Locke would be behind all of the guys who went in the first round last year for me. Um, though, you know, not too far off guys like Allen and Lamar Jackson, but he'd be just behind. As far as this edge rushing class and how that would stack up, where Chubb would fit in that, I think Chubb would be ranked behind Nick Bosa and right there with Josh Allen. As far as the interior defensive lineman, I think he'd be ranked behind Quinnen Williams. And it'd be an interesting debate to see him and Ed Oliver go head-to-head. And Cleland Farrell, who's another edge rusher, who I'm very high on, I think I would have had him just slightly ranked ahead of Chubb because I think his natural talent is a little higher. So, you know, he'd be right there in the mix. Uh, If Chubb, who was a senior or was he a junior? Oh, boy, I should know this. But um, if Chubb could have stayed and would be in this draft, I think there'd be a good chance Chubb could still be around at 10th overall. While that wasn't necessarily a chance last year, and I think you probably could have got better value at 5 with your quarterback last year than you will at 10 this year. So, you know... Hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's a really fun question to look back and and say that. And, you know, who knows, though? We'll see in a couple of years if those evaluations were correct going into the draft or if, uh, you know, these guys in the NFL prove that we were actually a little off. So we will see. Only time will tell. So if I'm reading you right, the Broncos didn't make the right decision if all pans out that way. But we'll see. We'll see. Just like you said. All right. Next one, kind of a ranking thing as well. Coming in from Andy, he says, yo, seeing some articles reminding us of how bad this quarterback class is. Is it, though? Where would the top three quarterbacks be this year ranked if slotted into last year's draft? What are your thoughts? Bridge Case Keenum for one more year. See if a new system can revitalize the Minnesota Keenum. Trade back to get draft capital for 20 or, or 21 draft, or and go, or go for a QB at 10, maybe even move up if needed. All right, so a few different questions there. Dre, how would the three quarterbacks uh, in, in this draft, the top three QBs, rank in last year's draft? You already said that Drew Locke would, would be behind all of those first-round QBs. Yeah, Drew Locke would be behind. I think Haskins would be right there with Josh Rosen. Um, I might even have ranked Haskins just slightly higher than Rosen. Uh, now, you know, this is I'm still completing all my evaluations on this year's class and obviously have come, you know, I did all my work on last year's class. So uh, we're also kind of jumping the gun a little. But 
Uh, I think I'd have only Darnold behind, um, ha- clearly in front of Haskins, and Haskins would be right there in the mix with Rosen and Mayfield as the next quarterback off the board. And I think that Kyler Murray would be behind that trio of Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, but in front of Josh Allen and um, what we call it, Lamar Jackson. And you know, I've compared this class, who I know a lot of people are down on. I've compared it to the 2017 crop of quarterbacks, who going in, everyone was really down on that group too. But it did end up producing Mitchell Trubisky. Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson, two of which are bona fide stars in this league, and another one in Trubisky who in the right system without you know his O-line and wide receivers are much improved from what the Bears had when they first drafted him. But it's not like they added Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. You know, uh, they, they just added Jim Nagy's play calling and have figured it out, and he's been more than good enough and all those teams had to trade significant draft capital to go get them. And I think if you ask Bears, Chiefs, or Texans to do that again, they would do it again in a heartbeat. So I think it's very comparable to that 2017 draft. I remember I was doing radio hits. I was getting killed for my mocks because everyone was saying, no way two quarterbacks go in the top 10. And they were right. There was Actually, three guys went in the top 10. I was wrong. Um, but you know, so that's who I'd compare it to if we want to do more of a historical comparison a couple years out. And look, same thing went with Goff was getting a lot of flack. Wentz was getting a lot of flack. Goff threw five picks in his final season at Cal in one game. Wentz missed half the season with an injury and his backup still won all the games that he missed. So you wondered like, well, how good is Wentz really? In retrospect, at the time, I certainly didn't think either was worth trading the farm for the Rams and Eagles to move up to one and two. But both those guys have worked out pretty nicely for those teams as well. So, you know, cool it on the quarterback class is too low. I think it's better than we're making it out to be. And the last three years are great examples of how we've been a little low on the class and then all of a sudden it ends up surprising us. That was a fantastic answer. Really put just just into perspective exactly what this class is. Yes, people shouldn't forget, even if it's a down class uh, compared to last year. Well, last year was an anomaly of how good it was. Right. Uh, and, and, and people need to realize that there still are first-round quarterbacks available. Even if you're looking at, at this from a step back, there's still first-round quarterbacks available in this draft all right now to quickly answer the second part so he says what are your thoughts bridge case keenum for one more year see where he's at and see if he can be revitalized in a new system with that trade back to get draft capital for the 20 2020 draft or 2021 draft or go for qb at 10 maybe even move up andy here's where i'm at with that i would take the approach of not seeing if case keenum is the guy because i don't believe he's the guy what i would do though I would be so open for building up draft capital down the road. But that's not a John Elway approach. We know that's not going to happen. That's that's more of a rebuild approach. Because here's the thing. If you trade back and you're in the mid-20s picking this year and you pick up a first and a second round pick next year and you have so much draft capital for next year, 
you're still going to get a darn good defensive player in this year's draft at 20. I mean, you, you, you can get a, a, a pro bowler, an all-pro type player, potentially, if you draft right with that pick. But John Elway's not going to do that. John Elway, we, we know he's not going to wait another year. I believe that it will be quarterback at 10. Although, Andy, I totally see, personally, I totally see your point about about taking a step back and, and, and rebuilding for a year. I just don't think that's going to happen. All right, Trey, next one coming in from, from Z Christensen. He says, dudes, great senior bowl coverage. I think there are a bunch of quarterback draft scenarios that could play out, and most are not looking good for the Broncos. Teams looking for a quarterback at the top. Oakland, the New York Giants, Jacksonville, Denver, Washington, Dark Horse, Cincinnati. Is it far from a foregone conclusion that the Broncos would be the only team looking to move up? Would any of us be surprised if all three guys were gone by seven? That's a real possibility, even without trades. I would like us to trade for Mullins, and if Elway and Core feeling risky, bet on a Bridgewater. Sit tight at 10 if a quarterback falls, great, pull the trigger. If the value is there, trade down with eyes on next year. Secure assets for next year's skip the lukewarm quarterback class of this year. I'll be honest, I can talk myself into a couple guys in this class but also was high on Dak in the second to third, and look how that has played out. Definitely better than what we have had, but overall it looks like Dallas is in quarterback purgatory. Bring in a kid who knows the system and is on the cheap. Hedge your bets for more intriguing prospects in the future. See what this coaching staff can do with free agency and the other guys on the roster. Don't bet the farm this year. All right, we kind of just touched on this. I just touched Mm -hmm. on it a bit. I totally understand where you're coming from, uh, Zach, about not wanting to, to mortgage everything for a quarterback you're not entirely sure of this year. I just don't think that's John Elway's way. So, Dre, here's a question for you. How possible is it, and would you be surprised if all three quarterbacks were gone by the number seven pick? No, I think that's a realistic scenario. I think more realistically a trade up occurs for that scenario to unfold but i think there's also a small chance that the raiders uh surprise us all at four and that just makes the dominoes fall in kind of a wacky way which is why uh you know the niners pick at two and the jets pick at three of course elway very friendly with john lynch and they're picking at second overall and the Jets picking at third overall are primetime trade-up targets. I also feel like if three quarterbacks are gone by pick number seven, it's going to be really hard to get good value in trading down from 10 because you're right. You could get a phenomenal defensive player in this draft at 20 or so, but how are we going to move down from 10 to 20? Who's going to be willing to move up to 10 if there are no quarterbacks remaining, and who would they target to do that? And a final note, since this is kind of a theme from our last two questions, is outside of Tua Tagovailoa, who played really poorly both in the SEC championship and the national championship, I'm not sure this 2020 class is what everyone's making it out to be. Jake Fromm has had some flashes, but is far from a surefire Uh, franchise quarterback to me and outside of him it's guys like Sam Ellinger from Texas or you know Justin Herbert who really ended the season 
on a poor note, has had some injury issues. I've seen, I saw him live two years ago against uh, Josh Allen, and I felt like his his ability to process information and read defense and quickly go through his reads and you know be a, a polished NFL quarterback was lacking way behind, and we saw that. So, out of outside of Tua, I think this twenty twenty class may very well fall on flat on its face. And if Tua's your guy. You really need to catch some breaks to get Tua because you're going to have to have a really low pick and you're going to have to hope that the team that does have the first overall pick already is set at quarterback or there's, you know, you could trade them every Broncos pick for the next 30 years. If they want Tua and they think he's the truth like you think he is, there's no amount of price that will allow you to get him at one. So just just be careful before you you try to load up assets for this draft when it might end up having just as much uncertainty at quarterback as this draft does fantastic point there dre and i i think it's very possible that three quarterbacks are gone by the time the seventh pick is in uh people this always 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 happens quarterbacks for some reason get undervalued in initial mock drafts and by the time it comes around quarterbacks have shot up the board that's going to happen again this year i would not be surprised uh if if three quarterbacks were gone by seven and yes right. there are teams that could move up uh yeah, cincinnati potentially but look at the washington redskins report yes. comes out yesterday that alex smith likely is going to miss the 2019 season they not only need to find their future quarterback they're already on the hunt to find their future quarterback they're sitting at 15 now Maybe if two quarterbacks are gone by that number nine pick, maybe the Redskins make a huge move to move up to number nine, or maybe they make an even bigger move by moving up to number four or right. something to grab Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke or someone there. So I do think, I just just don't be surprised when in a month or in two months that we're talking about how uh, you know how many quarterbacks are going in the top ten. All right, next one coming in from Brian. He says. Hey guys, Brian here in Los Angeles. I have more of a random scenario instead of a draft question. With us back in the market for a cornerback, is it crazy to look back and think that releasing to leave could have been a bad idea? By the way, it sounds like cap space won't really be an issue. Could we have kept Akeeb? I think he would have been an enormous addition to Vic Fangio's defense. Thoughts? Well, I mean, yeah, hindsight being twenty twenty, they... Yes, they probably shouldn't have. But, you know, the reason they let him go was they wanted to give Vance Joseph a real shot. And I think that people like Tlaib were kind of making it harder in that locker room to give him a real shot. Um, also, as I've said, I, I don't think you need a lockdown man cornerback like Akib to make Fanjo's defense work. He certainly didn't have anyone at that level in Chicago, and he's already going to have Chris Harris Jr. in Denver. So, no, I don't think he'd be essential. And I think in a lot of ways, saving that cap and giving younger guys and maybe some priority free agents that are more natural fits in that Fangio defense uh, a, a shot is is a better way to move forward. Yeah, keep to leave would have been better than you know, what What else you had outside of Chris Harris Jr. on the team last year? Yes. But the Broncos truly weren't competing for a world title last year. 
And sorry to tell you, but they're not doing that this year either. So what Akib are you getting in two years from now when you hope to be competing? And that's the question that you need to ask when when you traded him. How good is Akib Tlaib going to be in 2020 and 2021 when, when we believe we're going to be competing again? Well, at that time, he's probably not going to be the Akib Tlaib that you knew and loved. And is it worth paying him, what, $30, $40 million over those three or four seasons uh, in order to, to get his primetime play? Probably not. And the the thing, I, I haven't tried to worry about Akib Tlaib too much or think about it too much because he was gone. The Broncos are moving on from him uh, pretty much no matter what. Now, maybe if they hired Vic Fangio last year, they, they would have kept him because Vic would have said, give me this defensive guy. Uh, but I, I don't think that it, it's it's worth dwelling on just because of, you know, what why? Why keep a keep to around, a keep, keep to leave around? Uh, when you're not going to be competing realistically for a few years. All right, next one coming in. But, but Brian, I do think it's a, it's a very fair question mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that, that a lot of people off to the side ask me a lot. Uh, but next one's coming in from jmad 59 He says, hey, guys, Jeff here from South Dakota. I'm loving all the offseason content. My question is about the first two rounds of the draft. I think in free agency we'll focus mostly on the defensive side of the ball. C.J. Mosley and or Landon Collins, please. That leaves some pretty obvious needs on offense. I would love to see Drew Locke in the first and Debo Samuel in the second, especially if we let Sanders go. If we keep Sanders, possibly try for T.J. Hawkinson instead if he falls in the second round. What are your guys' thoughts? And keep up the great work. Dre, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, uh, Locke, I think you you know we're in agreement. If he drops to 10, I'll say this. I think Locke universally might not be worth the top 10 pick with all the defensive talent you have. But given the Broncos' needs, uh, the importance in having a, a potential franchise quarterback locked down for four years on a rookie contract and looking at you know what that's done for other teams and their ability to build around that, it gives you such a great window. Uh, he'd be worth the risk. And I think that's really why we see quarterbacks get undervalued in mocks, but not by the NFL, is the NFL gets that. If you land on a quarterback that you took in the first round, it opens up this massive window of opportunity for you while having, you know, spending such little cap at that position that now commands an absurd amount of money. Um, so definitely lock. You know, if you listen to segment one and we, I gave them Risner, but Debo was the other guy I considered to go in the second round. And Debo would be a great pick. He would fit perfectly in what the Broncos need. And in a lot of ways, be an ideal replacement for Emmanuel Sanders. You know, he could be a deep threat as well. I think he's more of a yak presence, but he can also get open underneath, reliable hands, all that kind of stuff. As far as Hawkinson... Uh, the tight end out of Iowa, I'm, I like him a lot. I'm fairly high on him. I love that he's a great blocker, but also a good route runner, as stable hands, could be a nice weapon in the red zone, all those kind of things. His stock has been all over the place. Um, I think Daniel Jeremiah, who's as plugged in as anyone and works for the NFL Network, had him going eighth overall to the Lions, and other places have him in the late first or, or early second, as we're speculating he'll go. So where Hawkinson goes will be very interesting. 
but he'd definitely be a guy I would prioritize in the early second round. All right, Trey, next one coming in just for you. It's Jared Still. He says, hey, guys, interested in hearing your impressions of my fellow Trojan, Chima Edoga. Did I get that right, Dre? Yeah, more or less, more or less. (laughs) At offensive tackle. Sounds like he's having a nice week. What round do you project him in? And is he a target for the Broncos given that projection? Thanks, Jared in Dallas. Yeah, definitely had a nice week. Uh, He had the type of week that will make me go back to the tape to try and reevaluate and see that I missed something. Did I knock him um, unnecessarily or unfairly when I was first evaluating his tape? Uh, So very impressive, natural mover. I think he's worked his way into the mix to go in the third round. More realistically, when you take into account everything on top of the Senior Bowl and not just the Senior Bowl, I think somewhere in picks 80 to 120, so mid-third to early fourth is where realistically he should go. And that's because his tape was up and down, and I don't think he has the length to profile as a full-time tackle. I think this is more of a swing tackle, convert him to guard type of prospect. So that's my thoughts on Idoga. And final one here coming in from Craig Lettington. He says, is anyone else concerned that the Patriots will win the Super Bowl, Brady retires, then they draft Kyler Murray as everyone else is too scared and the dynasty continues. It's a horrible thought I had and wanted to share. Sorry. Well, thanks for the, 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 the great way, great uplifting way to end this podcast, Craig. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's, uh, you know, my something that comes across my mind once every week is how are the Patriots going to bounce back mm-hmm. from when Tom Brady retires, you know, because a lot of people think they're just going to, you know, fall and uh, fall into flames and be terrible for the next two decades. But let's say what if somehow uh, they land Kyler Murray and he turns out to be a stud? Uh, let's say somehow that uh, next year Tom Brady retires and then they're awful for one year uh, and then they get the Clemson quarterback. Uh, what, what, what happens if that happens? And then they're just good again. Uh, so I think there's certainly some doomsday scenarios from the Patriots yeah. uh, that, that can happen. But here's what I'll say to ease a little bit of concerns. Yes, there are reports. Uh, there have been some reports saying that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady may retire if they win the Super Bowl. I don't think so. I don't think they're going out, even if they win this Super Bowl. I think it'll be the 10th Super Bowl appearance where they'll want to hang it up, and that could happen next year. And that's when I really see it being a possibility. Heck, if they win this year, they'll say, let's ride one more, and then let's ride off into the sunset just like John Elway on back-to-back Super Bowl champions. And and then we'll have been in double-digit Super Bowls, and then we'll finish 7-3. and three. That That's how I see them both retiring. Um, if it gets to that, if that scenario presents itself, I would be shocked if, if either or both of those guys retired this year. Yeah, and I mean, Brady's already come out and said he doesn't plan on retiring no matter what happens in this game, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I think much like the Broncos are guaranteed to pick a quarterback, maybe not in the first round, but at some point in this draft, just because, you know, with Chad Kelly being gone, they need kind of that youngster to groom in-house. 
I think it's another guarantee that the Patriots will be drafting a quarterback this year. And, I mean, more than my, you know, I would pound the table for the Broncos to take Kyler Murray. He's my second quarterback in the class, top 10 on my big board, which you guys can see on the site. I, I think that even though you, Zach, for example, you are the lowest on Kyler Murray of, of our team that went to Alabama, I think even you would agree that the thought of Kyler Murray going to a rival like the Raiders or like the Patriots is a pretty terrifying thought. Because if he does work out, boy, you are stuck having to play Mahomes. You're stuck tra- having to play Kyler Murray you know, maybe twice a year with each. And what what do you have? Like, oh, yeah, you know, you, you have like the Trubisky of the bunch while these other teams have Watson and Mahomes. And it's, it's it'd just be a big-time bummer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm not down on Kyler Murray by any means. I just, I don't think the NFL has a consensus on him that he's this great, great project. And, and that's why... You know, the Patriots could land him at 32 this year. I, I, I think he could fall to there uh, if he if he sticks with it. I also think he could go uh, number one overall to the Cardinals. Right. I, I just think that's how wide open the view is, is, is on him right now. But, boy, if he gets with Josh McDaniels, and, and one thing that's undeniable is Josh McDaniels is a great offensive uh, uh, brain in the NFL. If he gets with him and, and and Josh McDaniels cannot just destroy the Patriots in terms of a head coach, man, I don't think anyone would like to see that, especially the, those other teams in the AFC East. I mean, come on. Broncos think it's bad enough that the Patriots are good. What about those other teams that just can't even – I mean, the, their best thought is, winning, is getting a wild card seed. I mean, we – People in Denver need to realize just those other three teams, poor Dolphins, Jets, and Bills, how bad life is out there until Tom retires. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nightmare thinking about them getting another quarterback. Well, Dre, we did it. First one of the week is in the books. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us this week. Uh, we're we're going to have so much coverage with Ryan from the Super Bowl. We're also going to dive into the, the Broncos' new coaching staff. Uh, I'm so pumped for what we're talking about this week and so pumped to be rolling with you this week, Dre. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the BSM Broncos podcast. Believe it or not, finding the right safe for your needs is an art, and the staff at Colorado Safe Outlet has mastered it. Their team takes pride in their no upsell mentality and allow the customer to make an informed decision while never being rushed. I would 100% recommend them to a friend because you really never think about how important having a good safe is until, you know, something bad happens. They're the best brands available, like uh, Superior and Champion, and they just had really exceptional service and knowledge, which I haven't really received from big box retailers in the past. The Colorado Safe Outlet is looking for a new installer. Drab requires clean record, no felonies, clean cut, strong build, and reliable transportation. Wages start at hourly, but will quickly go to salary if you're fit for the job. Please call Drew Weaver at 303-333-7233 and check out Colorado Safe Outlet today.